You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag, and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. You're listening to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with your host, disability awareness consultant, Drew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark. I am your Delectable Disabled Daddy, Drew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, everybody. First things first, I want to let you know if you are a 
Patreon supporter, you are listening to the completely ad-free version of this show one day early on our feed before anyone else. And if you're listening on the regular feed right now and you're like, I want that perk. I want to hear it before anyone else. I love this show. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and you can make a monthly pledge of $1 a month up to $5 a month or more or now you can make a yearly pledge and I find that for some people with disabilities a yearly pledge really works for them because they can make it once a year and they don't have to do it again so if that works for you you can do monthly you can do yearly you can leave us a review on iTunes you can do all the things, but if you wanna if you wanna get the show one day early and a completely ad free version and a sexy shout out for me, patreon.com slash disability after dark. Thanks, friends. Of course, always too, we're looking for new guests and new people to come on the show and tell their disability stories and talk about different things. We have different series on the show. You've heard the Palsy in the Pandemic series, the Quarantine and Chill series. I'm going to eventually be starting, you know, another series that I put in on our Saturday episodes called Crippling Anxiety, where I talk about mental health, disability, disability anxieties, all stuff like that. So if you want to be a guest and just come and talk about your disability story, we can do that. And I would love to have you. And of course, you can do that by emailing me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and I will book you in. And of course, if you are also non-disabled and you want to come on and ask questions about disability or learn stuff or you're curious about something around sexuality and disability or just disability, you can always come on. The show is also for you as well. So we'd love to have you. But now let me tell you about today's show. It's really a good one. One of my favorites. Let me tell you all about it right now. You know how when you meet someone sometimes and you sit down with somebody and you're talking and immediately you're like, I really like this person. This person and I click 100% right away. And that's kind of how I felt with my guest today. That's how I felt when I sat down with her, when she reached out to me, all when we had our pre-recording our pre recording text conversations. I was like, I really like this person and I want to be their friend and they're super great. And you'll hear that when I... When I talked when you hear the interview with my, my new friend Rebecca Dazins we sit down today Rebecca tells us her experiences being diagnosed with EDS only three years ago and what that was like and having the people in the medical community and the doctors she was going to not believe her and what it was like to finally be diagnosed and then we talk a little bit about disability guilt and we go into what disability guilt feels like for her and how it manifests and we talk a little bit about what it's like to come out with a disability in the workplace and how she navigated that and of course we talk about her experiences with EDS at 43 feeling like she was both 25 and 75 all at the same time um, along with discussing how EDS has impacted her sex life and her marriage and her relationship with her kid. Wow, there's a whole lot that goes on in this episode, but it was a really powerful episode. Some of the stuff, some of the stuff that Rebecca says is like, wow, 
that one really cuts to the quick there. We had a good laugh, and it was humorous and funny and real and raw, and I love this interview, and I, I'm really, really excited for you to hear it, and I love that people come on the show and feel safe and comfy with me to share their stories and stories that they may not feel safe to share elsewhere. So, Rebecca, I really appreciate it, and I hope you, the listener, loves, love it as well. And again, if anybody wants to come on the show and share with me, I'm here for you. So without further ado and no more rambling, here's the latest episode of Disability After Dark with my new friend, Rebecca Dazins, right now. Rebecca Dazins, hello! Hey, Drew. Hey, so nice to have you on Disability After Dark. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm just thrilled to be here. It's such a great opportunity and I'm a fan of yours. So oh, I'm so is... excited. It's, it's, I mean, it always makes me feel kind of like it warms my heart, but it's always weird when people are like, I'm such a huge fan. Like, I'm, what, what do I do again? Why do people like what I do? Awesome. So I, I appreciate that. Um, and you were so flexible today, which is kind of ironic and hilarious because you're flexible and we're going to talk about your disabilities, which are EDS. But, <laughs> but, um, thank you for being so flexible with your time. And we rearranged this a bunch of times and then re rearranged it. And so, like, Thanks for being here. Um, Not a problem at all. Like it, I said, it, I do it to people all the time. Yeah, it's I know the joy of having to cancel for a disability reason is so fun. We love it so much. Um, so can you introduce yourself for us? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. And just for the, I'm trying to do this thing and I always forget, just for the visually impaired people or blind people that are listening, can you describe yourself to us? Sure. So Rebecca Dazens, um, I am 43, blonde. I have blue glasses. I'm currently wearing a rust colored sweater um, that just totally went out of my comfort zone in describing colors there. Oh, Otherwise, this like, would be like rust. Like, orange. Yeah, let's call it orange. <laughs> Burnt orange is what I would say. I wouldn't say rust colored. <laughs> Burnt sienna yeah, for that's all you right. artists out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm a, a writer and a historian, a journalism by degree, but historian by work trade at the moment. Uh, I run a historical society and uh, we live on a farm, my husband and I. So we raise beef cows and cats. Oh, cool. And, you know, looking at you right now and seeing what I can see, you look like a historian. I'm not, that doesn't surprise me. You look, you look very, you look like somebody who would run a historical society. Are the glasses what, down on the end of my nose? Yeah, you, ha, you have this very, um, it's funny because I'm watching a lot of Murder, She Wrote right now because I'm super bored. You have this kind of like Jessica Fletcher thing happening right now. <gasps> How very chic. You should, you should capitalize on that. You should also solve murders on your... <laughs> on your beef cattle farm. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> so, sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was horrible. Uh, but, so, um, you're in Minnesota, right? I am, yep. Minnesota, nice. Buffalo, right in the middle. Nice, I didn't know there was a Buffalo, Minnesota. I did not know that. Many don't. It's probably <laughs> better that way. I mean, Minnesota is pretty cool, and I'm going to give a shout out to my friends on the Wine and Crime show who are from there. You know I love you, girls, and you should connect with Rebecca because maybe you've done horse crimes on your show. 
Maybe you could do cow crimes? Question mark? I don't know. Figure it out. You could just, I'll connect you to. Anyway, because um, I know that Amanda's listening. I know you're listening. So you should connect with, with Rebecca. But we're not here to talk about that. Rebecca, can you um, tell us a little bit, bit about your disabilities and how they impact your day today? Sure. I have what's called EDS or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So it's a connective tissue disorder. There's 13 subtypes of EDS. And the most common one is the hypermobile version. And that's what I've been diagnosed with, um, mostly because I'm too cheap to do the genetic testing to figure out if I've got any of the other ones. <laughs> well, not to worry. You're like the 10th person in on the show that's come on with EDS. So I'm, and I've done, a, I did a whole show where I looked at the scientific way EDS works because I wanted to learn. So, so not to worry, you're among friends here. So many guests have had EDS. Um, but to get into more of the per, the way it affects you personally, can you kind of share with us how it impacts your life? It's an all-consuming situation. I'll be honest. Um, cool. I was diagnosed. Yeah, right. <laughs> it sucks <laughs> you in. It's the gift that keeps giving. Uh, uh, I was diagnosed only in 2018. So for the, the rest of my life, I'd been living with this genetic congenital disorder and not knowing it. So that really posed a lot of problems through you know my pregnancy or just through just life in general. And I got a lot of feedback from doctors saying you know that I was making it up or um, the that, doctors told you you were making it up. Right, right. The you ones know, who are supposed to be, you know, making you feel better and like validating exactly. your concern. The doc, <laughs> I mean, exactly. I've heard this so many times and it makes my blood boil that someone that you go to to seek answers and to feel better and to be, it just makes my heart hurt that this is like not the first time, nor will it be the last time that I'll hear this story. Wow. Yeah. I, there was a time in high school, you know, I, I went in to have, you know, just a cyst taken out of my back and they went to use a local anesthetic to take the cyst out and it didn't work. You know, local anesthetics just don't work on some people with EDS. And there's me screaming in pain because they're, you know, doing whatever they do to take a cyst out. And, you know, the doctor just keeps going and he's like, oh, you're making it up. You know, it doesn't hurt that much. It can't possibly hurt that much. And, you know, it, it really dents your faith in the system. I mean, if you had any faith to begin with in the system, like how, <laughs> right? how, do, you, how do you know what my pain thresholds are? You don't know. You're not in my body. You don't have a right to question what my pain thresholds are. Like, that's, that makes me want to be, want to like punch that doctor in the face. That's horrible. Like, you can't say that to somebody. Right. And we're taught to respect doctors because of the respect. Yeah, you know? the hierarchy. And, and you, Yep. Yep. That power structure. And, you know, so you're, you're in that inverted hierarchy and you're not at the top and yeah, it's hard to stand up to that power and speak your truth, especially when you're a teenager. Yeah. And so, so, and you were only diagnosed three years ago, like that's, yep. so, so you're a baby disabled person. Like, Hey, like, I'm like lowercase EDS. You're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we should celebrate that though. Like, like that's, did, so when you finally got diagnosed, what was that experience like? Oh, it was such a gift. It really was. I found a general practice doctor who would listen to me and she referred me up to the geneticist 
And from there, everything just started to fall into place. Um, the geneticist that I went to sat with me for a good hour and a half and just listened to my experiences and my family history and started putting all the pieces of the puzzle together and was just such a wonderful source for me to go and find the heart doctors and find the PT people and find the occupational therapist and find, um, you know, the, the skin people find, you know, so I've got this whole team of humans now as a result of that one general practice person, but mostly dared, that geneticist who, who like dared to listen to you and who dared to like do the right thing and be a good person and like make sure that I'm listening to this person. But did you have to go into that GP's office with like a stack of papers with like, did you have to go in with your whole files all ready to go to be like, here's what's wrong. I know. Just give me the, like, how did you, how did you approach that? It was a lot of the fatigue and the pain, you know, the daily pain. It's a real systemic feeling where absolutely everything hurts all the time. And that in and of itself gets debilitating. And yeah. that in and of itself is just, that's hard on your emotional state to just stay in that constant alert all the time. And um, the ability to keep an eye on where your body is all the time, you know, cause if I move wrong, something pops out of joint, you know? So just sitting here right now, I have to be really aware of where my hips are and where my back is and where my neck is and where my shoulders are and where my elbows are. And if I move wrong and I scream suddenly, that's what happened. So cool. something be, popped I, out. I'll be ready. I'll be ready. <laughs> and I will leave the scream in because it'll make for great podcasting. Um, um, so, I mean, when you got that diagnosis, like I've heard people when they get a diagnosis like that, they cry out of happiness because finally somebody believed them and finally they were heard what was did, did that any of that happen to you like what was the did you have a party afterwards like how did you celebrate the fact that somebody listened to you i completely dissolved into tears in the doctor's office completely dissolved we went through a lot of tissues together and the, the doctor was very understanding about it but just to have someone say you are a real human you're not lying i believe you it was the, the relief, you know, and, yeah. and you just couldn't contain that emotion anymore. And then it was this flurry of appointments after that and, and then MRIs and CT scans. And, and then it was a different level of fatigue because then I'm driving everywhere and seeing all these doctors and trying to learn everything. You know, I'm a research person. So I was completely immersed in, how many books can I read on this? And how many websites can I find on this? And how many chat rooms can I join on this? And how can I find the people that know more about this than I do so that I can just absorb all this information and know what's going on? Yeah. And, and that's, that was a whole different level of emotional energy. Then, I, then you were probably re like ready for or used to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because... I was still working full time and, you know, I had a, a kiddo in high school and, you know, I was um, coming out of a, a divorce at that point and, you know, living, living alone and managing things. And um, yeah, it was, it was an added log onto the fire. For sure. Like, it sounds like it was just like, oh, wow. But at the same time, 
you finally had a pathway to answers, which I'm sure after having it for years and years and not knowing what it was, that must have felt good. Yeah, and, and you had a label that you could put on it and you could say there's a reason for why I feel the way I feel, you know, and I, I'm not just lazy. Or, you know, as, as some people often say in, in a very ableist terms, I'm not just crazy either. It's a real thing that I'm living yes. through. Um, one of the things in the questionnaire that you sent me that I was reading over last night as I was making these questions and I was super kind of fascinated by this. One of the things that I'm fascinated by as a disability kind of researcher myself is the ways in which disabled people experience disabled guilt. I think it's such a fascinating and under-discussed topic and we don't talk about disability guilt enough, but we all seem to have experiences with it. We just don't talk about it because we're not allowed to talk about it because we're supposed to overcome everything and be amazing. Um, can you talk a little bit about how, how disabled guilt manifests itself for you and whether or not you have any tips or tricks to alleviate that? I think for me, the biggest part of my guilt is looking at my husband and thinking he married me anyway. You know, oh. we've been married for two and a half years now. So he was fully aware of what he was walking into and, and he married me anyway. And that language is just, there's so much guilt baked into that language. Yeah, that language breaks my heart to even just hear it because like, no, he didn't. He married you, period. Like full stop. There's no anyway, there's no extra add-on. There's, he didn't marry you anyway. He just married you, period. But, I, but I'd but love for you to like, if you don't mind, to dive in, into the, like, the grief part of that. Like, what, what, is that, what does that sentence mean for you as a disabled person? I think it means that my husband Darcy is an amazing human who can can put his own needs to one side to take care of what I need and that again there's so much guilt baked into that of why should I ask him to do that why should I need that much space why should I take up that much space um, why should we have to work around my schedule and my around me like right and everything that you know attaches all those silly braces and I mean even if we're gonna go down to uh you know a, a, go walk around a garden or something like that you know just getting there you know it takes all the pillows and the braces and the walker and and everything has to get packed into the car and then he needs to drive and then we get there and we have to use the handicapped parking spot if it's a bad day and then the guilt kicks in of well what if someone more handicapped than me comes along and needs that space and oh it's just it's everywhere there's so many layers to it and I feel like you know I think a lot of us in the disability communities are having these conversations with ourselves but we're not having them outside so anybody listening who's not disabled <laughs> listen to this right now disability guilt is real it's super invasive and super gross and like it's something we need to definitely talk about way more um but so do you have any tips or tricks on how to alleviate that or switch or like what do you do to make yourself feel better when you're like oh i feel like i'm a burden today i feel like i'm in the way like what how do you how do you make yourself like no i'm not i'm great i've learned to say that out loud I've learned that there's people that I work with and family and friends 
that if I say that to them, they'll turn around and say, I don't mind making space for you. I enjoy you as a person. I like your mind. I like what you have to say. This is not a burden for me to be in your world and be part of your world. I actually enjoy it. So stop, just stop talking. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that's also like a hard thing too, because I think sometimes, and I, I love your family and friends for doing that because I think we all need to be kind of told that out loud to hear it sometimes. But I think for me, when I experience disability guilt, I'll ask that question repeatedly, like, am I burdened? Am I too much? And I want the answers, but I can imagine for family and friends, they're like, dude, I just told you that like two hours ago. Why ask me again? Like, <laughs> so stop true. A- like, stop asking me. I just, I said it already once. Why do you need to be reassured? Like people don't realize the reassurance is so necessary because we don't get it very often. Yeah, that's so true. So true. I think one of the hardest things at work, especially, is when I say I'm going to do something and then a bad day comes along and I can't do it. And so I have to call on someone else to rearrange their schedule at work to take over the thing I said I was going to do. And you, you really, in a professional capacity, that really makes you question whether you should be part of that work environment anymore. If you're an effective partner in that team. Yeah. Are you being productive enough to do you, should you be working and like how how has the EDS affected your work life it's really changed things um I have a hard time sitting at a desk you know for a day to do the work anymore you know I can maybe get a half hour 45 minutes before I need to do something else or or move or lay down um you know right now I'm working from home I've been working from home for the last year because of COVID Uh, And that's really been a gift because I was able to use COVID as a cover to make sure that working from home would be okay. And, and to prove that I am just as productive at home as I would be in the office every day, Yeah. but it's taken away the drive time. It's taken away that constant upright. Um, You know, I've got a lot of neck pain and a lot of instability in the head and the neck so to keep my head upright and balanced on my neck takes a lot of effort. So at home, I can go sit in the recliner and do some work on the computer. I can lay down in bed. I can, you know, sit up at the chair. I, there's a lot of possibilities of how yeah. to maneuver through the day that I don't have if we're in the office. And so when you like before COVID, when you were in the before times, as I call them, when you were, uh, you know, going to work every day, dealing with this, not knowing what it was and just working, like, did you, what was that like? It was awful. I'll be honest. Uh, Monday and Tuesday were pretty good. You know, I could get in there by about nine o'clock and I could make it through till about five. By Wednesday, I was coming in by about 11. By Thursday, I was sleeping in till about 11 and coming in by about one. And by Friday, I was taking the whole day off. And Saturday and Sunday, I was just completely in bed for the weekend, trying to recover from it. And how did your work like take that? Uh, Well, I sucked up a lot of my PTO time. So (laughs) (laughs) vacations weren't a thing. Um, And I'm salary, so I could work at nine o'clock at night or six in the morning. Nobody really minds. 
So yeah. the flexible hours were helpful. Um, you know, so I could go in at weird hours and get things done, but yeah, there was definitely no space for anything other than work. Were there any conversations? And I think, cause I just want to bring this up because I think it's such an important piece of it. Like when I was disabled, when I, when I was disabled, PSA, I'm disabled. When I was, when I was working a nine to five job, like I used to work for a telecom company, cough, cough, they're the worst. Um, and so I used to work for a, a telecom company and they, you know, I had to constantly prove that I was disabled enough to be disabled. And there were days where I couldn't get in. There were weeks that I didn't get in. There were months that I didn't work because of stuff. Now, there were also times where I abused that power as the young 20, 20 something person. I was like, I'll just say I'm disabled. It'll be fun. Don't do that. But I did. So like, um, did you have conversations with your higher up and your superiors? But like, this is what's happening here. It's like, because you talked earlier about feeling the way, taking up space, like, how did you say, like, I need to be in bed till one on these days because my body hurts? Yeah, it, we're a nonprofit, so I have a board of directors. So it's a different situation than having a specific boss to go to or an HR yeah. department to go to. So that board of directors changes every couple of years. I get different bodies in and out of that group. So I'm constantly having the conversation with people so that they understand what's going on. And so they kind of evolved with me into it because the diagnosis only happened in 2018. Um, I was, I was still doing kickboxing classes and things up until, you know, maybe five, six years ago, I was still riding my bike 20 miles. I was still rollerblading. I was still a really active human. And so when I was hired, they hired a different person than what they have now. Yeah. So we've had to evolve together on that. And they've been really, really generous um, with take the time that you need and do what you need to do. There's always that, that hidden butt. There's always that hidden level of if your productivity slips we're going to have to have that conversation. Yeah, it's like, do what you need to do, but... As long as... As long as you're in, you're still meeting all your quotas, blah, 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 and yeah, yeah, I, I had many of those conversations with, with when I worked for the dreaded Canadian telecom that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was quite a time. Uh, well, my next question that I have for you. One of the things I love in your questionnaire that you wrote into me about that I that I really that I laughed out loud actually when I read it you were like I feel 25 and 70 simultaneously but I'm actually 43 um tell me a little bit about what it's like to feel 25 and 70 simultaneously because I didn't know that was possible and <laughs> also be 43 and then I want to ask you do you worry about your condition changing as you chronologically get older so my brain says, you are 25, go conquer the world, go party, have fun. You know, you're just as old as your kiddo who's going to turn 20. Yeah, just nail life. And then the joints kick in and I can't stand up and I'm using a cane and I'm wandering around groaning and moaning about the pain in life. And, <laughs> and suddenly I fit in with the conversations with my older volunteers at work, you know, and 
like we're commiserating on, you know, Asper cream and what mattresses are best. And I mean, I do that all the you know, time. Yeah, I also do this, that. So I feel you. Uh, I'm 37 and I'm like, yep, I love this cream. It's great. This is that. Yep, I get it. So I get it. 100%. Uh, yeah, and then you're in Act 43. You're in the middle of the road and prime of life, right? I mean, these are supposed to be the best years where you're on the, the top of the professional pile. You've done all your your grunt work, you know, you've, you've reached that, that point in your professional career, and then you can kind of slide through that plateau to retirement. And this is supposed to be the trouble-free zone. You know, the parents yeah. aren't quite old enough to be needing all your attention. The kid is old enough to go do her thing and not, you know, hamper my life too much and boom. And then there's this EDS thing that it's, it's, Sitting on my plateau, it just added a peak on top of my plateau, man. Yeah, like a really low, a low peak on your. Yeah, totally. How does your kiddo feel about it? She's pretty darn amazing. Um, I'm, I must say, uh, you know, she she grew up with me being relatively active when she was needing me to be active, and then as this decline has happened in the last five years or so, she's been aware enough to say hey let's sit down you know you've you've walked your 900 steps it's time to park it so that we can get on to the next 900 because I want the long game with you I want to be able to go on this walk with you so let's take the time that it needs to get through it in order to be together and spend that time together do you think that you're because you know young people are learning about disability kind of and disability justice kind of in this new world we're in, do you think that you're being a dynamically disabled person, um, which is a term that I just discovered the other day that dynamically disabled means that it doesn't, it's not static, which is super cool. And I'm going to use it everywhere. But as a dynamically disabled person, like, do you feel like you're giving your daughter like a different way to look at disability than she may have learned if you weren't disabled? Yes. I think she grew up with disabled people, you know, they're traditionally disabled. I'm using air quotes here uh, in school, you know, the, the integrated special ed programs and things that the public schools have down yeah. here. Um, so she grew up with the visibility of that, but the hidden disability component I think is new. And that's a different way of looking at people's function. So I think her generation is starting to see disability as a spectrum yeah. because you've got autism on there and ADHD and dyslexia. And, you know, there's so many components of functionality as a human that if we started to look at it as a spectrum rather than normal and abnormal. Yeah. And, you know, then we would be able to look at everybody's functionality on that spectrum and, and I really think that younger generation is starting to use that language. Yeah. And I, I see it more and more like, but I think the language of disability is something we have to listen to the way that it's the way that people say the words. Like if somebody uses, like you used handicapped a minute ago and I know people listening are going to be like, Oh, why did you use that term? But I heard it when, Oh, she wasn't being malicious. There was no, like, you know, there was no malice in what she said. So when someone says to me like, Oh, Andrew, you have special needs. Yeah, I go, okay. But I'm also like, how are you saying that? And so I think 
the next generation needs to start listening to how the, the previous generations, how are you using the terminology? How are you saying it? Is it malicious? Then if it is, yeah, then I'll call you up on it. But if it's not, like, let's, let's help them learn the new language in a way that isn't like, you're a bad person, because it doesn't help anybody. So yeah. I call my handicap sticker in the car, you know, the little hang tag. I call yeah. it my Smurf tag because it's blue. So it's my Smurf tag. Amazing. Amazing. I like the Smurfs. I like Papa Smurf the best. He of course you would. This is the best and I, because I wanted a daddy. That's probably what it was. It's fun. Uh, I think uh, I married Handy Smurf. <laughs> oh, amazing. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Speaking of your marriage, we can delve there for a minute. Because um, he mentioned to me yesterday in our pre-text combo that I could ask sexy questions if I wanted to. So I'm just going to throw this in there because why not? So how has EDS played a role in your intimate life? Uh, it has crushed it. Oh no. It has crushed it. Um, we used to be the two to three to four time a week couple. And now we're so worried about how many bones I'm going to pop out of joint that, you know, we're maybe a one to two time a month couple. I would love for one to two times a month right now. I mean, it's, not, it's COVID. So my body's like, what? One to two times a month would be amazing. But I get it. I get it. I get it. So how have you adapted like your your intimacy to to work around the EDS or work with the EDS or like how did how did you do that well I think part of it is um trying to wrap your head around the idea of making a neck brace sexy you know you're like oh <laughs> mushy mushy things are all getting hot hold on let me grab my neck brace so that I don't dislocate my neck just a moment I mean you, you know. could you could bedazzle it you could put like baby dildos on it you could put <laughs> I mean there are things that you could do to it to make it hilarious like there are we are looking into you know some really nice leather style yeah a leather yeah. child choker neck I'm here for that exactly yes. exactly <laughs> So, you know, we're, we need some, so if anybody has retailers out there, people that could make those things, we're up for that. Um, you know, and so I think that's part of it is to try to identify specific gear that would be just for sex, right? So not use the regular neck brace, not use the regular pillows, not use the regular life, but have this special set of adaptive equipment that could be designated just for sexy time that you have well, that connotation to it you know i am a co-founder of a sex toy company so <gasps> I, promotion i will take your i'll take what you said to back to my other co-founder and be like somebody said this eventually we should do this so it won't happen right away because we're still trying to get our first product off the ground but i'll definitely make some notes and be like we should make some sexy stuff like this because you're not the first person that's been like we need stuff like this i so, love that and i, think, I love that but i think in the meantime get some pictures of penises and put them on your neck brace get like <laughs> just find some really hot or not even penises find like the hottest dudes you're into and be like look hubby i dressed up my neck brace. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome you'd get a I'm, kick out I'm, of that I'm here for that, and I expect photos. Uh, so I'll just you can send those to me, whatever. Uh, I will. I will. How does he's like a, he's a gem? How does he feel about like like is he? You said he's really supportive, but like 
when it comes to like sex and you not being able to like obviously that's a whole different conversation what was that like to have that with him he is an amazing giving person um he's extremely selfless and the thought of hurting me was worse than the benefits of sex right if that makes sense so he's like there's no way that i would hurt you so why would i push forward and and you know do the the whole sex demand thing that's not right um we we watch a lot of porn we do a lot of fantasy play um you know the the mutual masturbation stuff oh what um, kind of fantasy play into it let's well like Lord of the I think a lot of it we we take real life situations that we find ourselves in and we blow those up into what could that be or what would happen if um you know so if you know us watch out because that that could be worked into our fantasy so in the, life in the minimal stuff i know about you what i've just learned is that you live in a farm so what i'm picturing is like oh sexy farmhand i want to milk the cows but my my rib is gonna pop out at what can you do to make me feel better at exactly <laughs> exactly exactly you have no idea how sexy it is to you know come up behind someone when they're scooping manure and yeah. and you know just play that fantasy out <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny um <laughs> um oh that's really that's funny uh so what did what do you think the most accessible sex for you as somebody with EDS is like, and you can be as graphic and as comfortable as you want and whatever you want to share is fine. I think for us, the, the best position is if I'm on my back on the bed with my, my legs in, in his arms, you know, so he's supporting my legs um, because that way I don't have to worry about supporting my spine or, or anything. I just have to worry about keeping my head and my neck straight and you have the and, brace on at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, with the brace or a few pillows, you know, we've found, you know, if you kind of tuck the pillow around your your neck, it that really helps support things, makes hearing yeah. things really difficult. And you feel like a really bad Princess Leia with the <laughs> big pillow on either side of your head. But um Princess you know, so Leia, that, Leia. Yo, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. I laid that one out for you exactly. It's so uh, funny. You laid that one out for you. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, so that um, really helps. Uh, you know, we we ditched the the swing. You know, that was a favorite for a while. Um, but that was that was really hard because your head's unsupported on that one, and and you're at a kind of a forty five degree angle a lot of the time. So we got rid of that. Unfortunately, that was our favorite. Um, the the bending over the bed, you know, doggy style is good too. Uh, the only problem with that is again, you know, the head you're either face down suffocating into the mattress, mm. or you kind of turn sideways and then you you tense up when you come and things pop out a joint as well and oh great so follow-up question how many times have you been to the er because you came um er not yet uh however emergency calls to the chiropractor all the time <laughs> or i guess i guess at this point you could call them the chiropractor. i don't know <laughs> I'm super lucky to have a great chiropractor who, if I quick write him an email at three in the morning, 
I'm like, I did something nasty. I can't literally, and I can't move. This is terrible. Uh, they'll they'll come in in their sweatpants on their day off, and that would be put amazing. Back we all need a cum doctor that can we can talk to about that shit. Yes. <laughs> Can somebody, can someone please work on that for us? I need a doctor to be like, I just came in and it feels weird because I have disabilities. Like, what do I do? Exactly. You know, it's like, so you got to schedule sex. You know, it's like, well, I got a chiropractor appointment on Thursday. So Wednesday would be fine. Let's book sex then. Or like Friday after four, after I know I'm good. You know, yeah. Oh, no, because then you got to go the whole next week with something oh. out of joint. And that's yeah. bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. One of the things you mentioned in the questionnaire that I want to get to, because I also kind of, I loved it. Another thing you talk about is that, and something we don't explore enough in disabled spaces that I have been really, if you follow my social media, you know I'm into this really hard. I like talking about disabled grief because it's real and it's like something that is super, again, just like disabled guilt, we don't talk about disabled grief enough. What does disabled grief look like for you? It's, it's meant uh, a lot of mental gymnastics. It's meant that I need to find joy in today. And I did a thing today and that's good. And that's where I get my joy in that box of today rather than looking back. And if, if I look back at what I used to be able to do, then I fall apart because I loved going rollerblading I and mean, I could go for miles and miles and hours and hours on rollerblades. And I felt like I was flying and it was, it was the one place that I could just completely lose myself and just the world didn't matter. And I can't do that anymore. You know, whether it's because of the ankle instability, the hips, the fatigue, the dare I fall over and I end up in the ER at that point. Um, it's just not happening. So the the long walks the the biking the you know any the gardening i used to love to garden you can't do that anymore because too much bending over and like a lot of right like the traveling and stuff yep yep so your wrist goes one way your arm goes the other way you know when you're using trowels and then the lower back if you bend over you know those little toys where you push up the button on the bottom and the like the donkey just kind of flops over with the strings yeah. inside, you know those? Yeah. So that's about what happens with EDS. <laughs> so the you go down in one direction and the bones might not come back up in the same order that they bent over in. Um, so I think that that grief of who I was and the identity that I always knew as myself, I've had to change my whole identity. And, you know, that comes with weight gain. It comes with clothes that don't fit the same. It comes with, um, you know, my, my teeth moved because EDS affects your gums. I mean, EDS affects everything in your body, all that connective tissue. So you, I can see you have a really cool gap between your yeah. now. So you didn't have uh -huh. it before. You didn't. It... Nope. That's new. That's what, new. actually new. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, I've got a, a retainer mouth guard that I wear at night, and if I don't wear it more than two nights, it doesn't fit anymore. That's how fast my teeth shift oh, around. Wow, that's such a yeah. big wow! And like I have gum problems too, and teeth stuff because brushing my teeth is really hard for me. And so I've mentioned yeah. it before, like brushing my teeth is—I mean, I do it obviously, but it's 
hard to do. Someone comes with bleed and people think then that you're dirty and that you don't take care of yourself and that you're not. And it's like, well, I do, but my disabilities make it hard. So I understand like, yep. and it, for us, you know, having disabilities, being front-facing and having our faces out there in the world is really important for visibility, but also if people think you're not clean or you don't take care of yourself, that can be really hard. Yep. Yep. And I mean, similar. And again, this kind of gets to the almost an imposter syndrome that I feel of I'm not disabled enough. You know, I can clean my teeth. I don't have the same experience as you do. Jealous. Right. But I don't remember the last time I put on makeup or I used a curling iron on my hair. You know, or yeah, I like your hair. It's nice. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm growing it out because it's easier to put it in a ponytail than it is to spend effort doing something with it because having your arms up that long to do something hurts with your hair doesn't work. The yeah. rib or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the, yeah, the grief you, is really kind of tied to everything you could do and realizing that like you can only focus on today, which must be annoying because I'm sure that also like yes, we're in a weird pandemic bubble time where nobody can do anything, but I can imagine that when all this is said and done, if you want to plan something six months out, you have to be like, I can't because I don't know. Right, right. Because you, like you said, the dynamic disability, you literally don't know one minute to the next, one day to the next, what's going to happen. And you can plan as best you can of, I'm going to go to that thing on Saturday night, which means that I can't do anything for Friday and Thursday because I need to stock up the energy and I need to make sure I don't throw anything out of joint before I get to Saturday. But then when you actually get to Saturday, the thought of doing all the prep work and putting all the stuff together and doing the thing and then the noise and the lights and, and all that environmental stimuli, that's really draining as well. And, and it's, yeah, I don't like going out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't like going out either for a lot of this. A lot of the same reasons uh, with the, 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 the stimuli, the, the planning it out. Like sometimes it's just easier to point, click and have what I want delivered because at least it'll show up my door and I'll just figure it out. Like, but Oh, shopping is the worst. Hate I mean, shopping. It, it's, well, it's great now because you can just click and Amazon yes. will send it to you. But yeah, but I, I do miss like going to stores or I miss the idea of going to stores until I get there. And then I'm like, oh, no, I would just much rather be home. <laughs> I remember um, why I didn't do this. Because you live on a because you live on a farm and you do dairy cows. I right dairy cows. Beef. Okay, yeah, beef. I need to. I want to know how does like before all this would you help with the or do you help with the cows now? No, I'm completely useless on the farm. Uh, <laughs> I feed the cats and stand well, no, and- that's important. <laughs> And stand and watch my sexy husband roll round hay bales all over the place. Um, yeah, no, I'm useless, uh, which again is guilty feeling, you know, so he's got a full-time job, then he does all the farm work and then he comes in and very often cooks dinner and very often, you know, does all the vacuuming and, and I sit around like lady, what's her name, you know, and eat lady bonbons. Whistle, lady, you know? down. Well, you know, exactly. you're, you're allowed. It's, it's, you're, it's, you're allowed. Um, um, so yeah, like what, what things in your day that, that is a box, like that you have to, 
box out your day to find the joy? What things in that box bring you joy? Well, I've got a, a plethora of cats, as any good lady, what's her name, would have, of course, you know. <laughs> of course. And they, they Zoom with me all the time. So I've actually got one here on my lap. Amazing. Um, yes. Yes. He's lovely. Um, so, so just that unconditional love of, you know, cats are, they're very happy that you need to sit around and do nothing. You know, they are the champion of sitting See? around and doing nothing. Dogs are pissed. Dogs are like, why are you sitting? We have to go. Exactly. Exactly. So cats are like, yeah, I'm good. Chill. We're happy. So would you say you have an emotional support cat? I would say I have seven of them, actually. Awesome. Wow. See, crazy cat lady right here. Totally. I mean, that's a, that's cool. I mean, awesome. That's great. Um, um, One of the things you said in your questionnaire that I loved, it made me laugh again. You said, I really can't stand it when people say this to me. So, Rebecca, tell me how you really feel when someone says to you to try yo- to try yoga. Oh my god! <laughs> Just shut up! Just shut up! Don't say it! Don't ever <laughs> say that to someone. Just try yoga. Oh my gosh, it's the dumbest answer. It's said with love. You know, people say it with love because they want to help solve your problems. So, first of all, there's no solution to the problem. So right there, we, we have an issue. But secondly, yoga, oh my gosh, for anyone with EDS, yoga is, is a nightmare because you're in, the point of yoga is to hold one position for an extended period of time. And your body can't do that. Right. It's like, that is the entire point of yoga. So it, no, it's terrible. That is the absolute worst thing we could possibly be doing. <laughs> and similarly, how do you feel when someone says, oh, just eat kale? Ugh kale yeah and drink water please all those vitamin and vitamin d apparently that's supposed to cure everything um Look, the there's, only vitamin there's a... d that i want right now is dick in my mouth so like I, right i mean <sighs> yeah i want vitamin d just not the kind you're thinking of <laughs> and it's very therapeutic i mean it is it is <laughs> back and forth it's similar motions it's basically physio for your mouth it's there you go physio. i could work it into my neck exercises yeah. why didn't i think of that sooner yeah there you go you could just, you just get solved that neck, all my problems. Get that neck brace and we'll just, just put like some Christopher Maloney all over it and you'll be good. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, um, so what is an alternative, a disability friendly alternative to just try yoga? Huh. Um, I guess what I would appreciate is the human that I'm speaking to trying to come up with a solution to my quote unquote problem would be, what are you already doing? You know, because if, if someone asks you that question, you know, what, what are you doing? What solutions are you using right now? What, what are you doing to manage your day-to-day life? Then you can have a conversation. And if they happen to have a brainstorm, that's not on your list, that's great. But it stops the like, I feel compelled to tell people all of the things I'm doing to help myself so that I don't think you're just a lazy bonbon eating. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, no, I am doing all these things. I spent $5,000 on PT exercises, learning how to what? do things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Welcome to America. And most of the, uh, I'm in Canada. So that, that, that I can't, my brain doesn't, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> Ugh. Um, also, 
I just random thought we have the same cup. I'm also drinking out of a Contigo cup today because they're more accessible. So yay. And I have the same color as you do too. So that's awesome. Seriously? That's brilliant. Same color. Awesome. Um, We're made to be. um, We're best friends. Uh, (laughs) What was was my next question? One of the things you mentioned in your questionnaire, like you went, I love your questionnaire because it went from really funny to like really deep, serious serious things right after like it's so many there's so many things so you also mentioned in the questionnaire that you have to try to decide when it's a good time to admit defeat what do you mean by that and how often do you feel defeated oh admitting well right now so when I wrote out the questionnaire I was in a slightly different place and then I went to my medical doctor with the emergency sex thing actually that's really ironic that we're having this conversation after that um so we we had a sex thing i tweaked everything out of place i couldn't move from like my neck down to the middle of my ribs by the time yes it was bad it was bad and so i made an appointment with the medical doctor because my chiropractor was closed and i said hey medical doctor i just need enough muscle relaxers and painkillers to get me through two days so that i can get to my chiropractor on monday just drug me up so that I can just exist until I get to Monday. And it was the first time she had actually seen me in a really low spot like that. And, you know, usually I'm in a pretty decent spot like I am today when you go to the medical doctor and it's not in your face. And she said, you, you do this, this is you like on a regular basis. And I said, well, yeah, you know, several times a week. And she goes, no, this isn't okay. This is not how you go through life. Well, it's how I go through life. And she said, no, no, we're going to refer you down to the Mayo Clinic. We're going to get you some decent specialists. We're going to tackle this. And you should probably take a month off of work. I'm like, hmm. And Darcy was with me for the appointment. And, and we just sat there and, you know, when you go into something with the expectation, you're just going to get a bunch of drugs and it's going to be fine. And you're just going to go home and you're kind of yeah, flippant. Yeah. yeah. And It'll all of a sudden, minutes, I'll get the drugs. I'll get out of yeah, here. Early. Piece yeah. of cake. That's what I was mentally prepared for. And all of a sudden she throws this curveball at me of, oh, and by the way, change your world you know, take a month, off, a month off of work. Are you kidding me? That's a month worth of income that you don't have anymore. Right. How do you do that? And the Mayo Clinic, I mean, gosh, sick people go to Mayo, right? I mean, they're, they're world renowned for dealing with sick people. So yeah. I qualify to go to Mayo now. I'm, I'm in that bad of shape that I, oh, okay. There's another mental hiccup that we've gotten to a point where I can't handle this, you know, where my daily life is really, and this someone, is game and on. seeing my daily life. Yes. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Why, why are you doing this? Like, yes. I think that's the scary part is that we often keep so much of that hidden from other people. Like, yes. we talk about hidden disabilities, but there's a whole other side of hidden disabilities in that there's so much we don't share with other people that when somebody sees you, when you get caught out and they see like other parts of you that you don't share and they go, oh, what's this? There's so much shame around like, oh, you call me this shit. Yes, exactly. Game up. You got to take off that mask. And that was, 
that was a crisis moment for us. I mean, we sat in that doctor's office. We just cried for about 10 minutes, Darcy and I. And it was a real moment of, okay, how do we move forward? Is it time to apply for the, the disability payments? Is it time like to... Like or like... Yeah, exactly. You know, what does that mean for, for us financially? What does it mean for the farm? What does it mean for Darcy as a, a support caregiver human? What does that mean? Wow. And, you know, and again, at 43, you know, you step out of the workforce, there's no getting back into it. Yeah, you're done. You know, you're, you're done. Yeah, yeah. So is, is that really where I am? right now and and what is uh i mean do you so. see yourself like knowing that you you're an, you're a historian and or like a well a journalist by 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 school and then a historian by trade but like do you think that there may be some merit in, in using your knowledge to like talk about disability history maybe there's something in there I think you're right. And I think that's what I've gotten from watching your posts go by my feed. Honestly. My posts? No way. Yes. Come on. No, seriously. I I switched my Instagram over at the end of the year. I switched it over to say I'm making posts through a disability lens now. This is I'm I'm going to put this out to the world and and this isn't going to be a private anymore. Good for you. And that's that's hard. Good for you. Well, I, I watched your, like I said, I watched your posts go by on my scroll feed. And I thought, you know, if, if we don't say things, people aren't going to know things. Yeah. So it's our own damn fault. So we need to be noisier about being in the world. And it's such a hard thing because what I've learned from doing that with my posts, I have to be so careful because when you start doing that, what happens is you are then expected to represent everyone. And if you don't represent everyone in your 280 characters, you've somehow, <laughs> you've, you've somehow ignited a civil war in the disability <laughs> community, which, which feels very weird. So I get very, I am so careful now with what I post. And I'm so, every post I do is meticulously like watched and looked at and like redone and made super proper because I don't want to hit any nerves. I just want to say what I'm feeling. And so, so I'm grateful that you're putting it out there because we need more voices that aren't, that aren't like the five of us that are doing it. <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's very non-Minnesotan. I mean, you know, Minnesotan Midwestern values, yeah, you like know, that quiet, stoic German crap. Conservative, right? like super, Ugh. I'm not going to say, yeah, yeah, no, I understand. Um, um, was there anything in this conversation that I missed that you wanted to bring up that we haven't yet? Oh, that's such a loaded question. And I got time. Like I like talking to you, so just feel free to throw it at me. Oh, I love the confidence that comes with knowing what your identity is. Once you take the time to wrap your head around it and, and you go through the grief process and you, you move the, the click. You know, you, you, you find your spectrum and you move one click down it and you yeah. settle in and you get comfortable there. I love the confidence that comes with being in that space until the next change comes, until you click one more 
And that, I think that's the scariest part of change and disability. Having, ha- for me, I, I always was taught that CP was not a dynamic disability. It was static. You would have CP your whole life. Nothing would change. What they don't tell you is that they've only done studies mostly of disabled kids, hmm. of, of kids with CP from like, you know, zero to five or zero to 12 or zero to like 14. The minute that kid turns 18, there's nothing for them anymore. And as I get older now, I'm going to be 37 in a few months. As I get older and things start changing, I'm like, well, what do I do? What do I do? Who do I go to? What do I, who helps me with this? Because no one seems to know. And so like, I feel like there is a confidence in that spot, but there's also for me a big fear of like, oh, when the next thing changes and I have to adapt, I have to start all over again. Like the grief process, the guilt process, like, and I, want, I, don't, I don't think people realize that when you have a disability, that process is ongoing and it never stops and it never goes away. And it's never, like, it, it's always changing. And like, it's, that part is so hard to talk about. Yeah. And, you know, we talked earlier about the getting older part of the conversation, you know, so just aging bodies in general have more problems, period. Yeah. So you add a disability onto that and suddenly being old is not, not looking like any fun at all. Um, you know, the, the glorious retirement years of golfing down in Arizona, you know, it ain't going to be so pretty, you know, at at what point do you become old, disabled and completely just done, done? Yes. Like, this is a question that I kind of have, but I didn't want to be too morbid, but I feel like we've reached that friendship point where I can't ask that question because we did have a whole five minutes where I talked about putting dildos on your neck brace. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like our friendship is at that place. So <laughs> do you feel like you ha- having this disability that might, that has affected your life so much, if it's affected your lifespan, how, like, do, you, how, do you have any feelings about that? Yes, I do. Um, The positive comical take on it, if you want to go there first, is that Darcy is actually 12 years older than me. So physically, we're a lot closer in age. So the idea of him, you know, men tend to die before women. So we've got a good seven to 10 years that I, I would technically outlive him. But then you got the disability and then you got the 12 year age gap. So technically, we should actually die about the same time. Oh, nice. I mean, I guess, I mean, you could do like a, t- you could do a Titanic thing where you could like hold each other and, you know, just go together. Right. It just, yeah, it, it works. So, you know, so on the comical side, you know, this actually worked out pretty well. Um, <laughs> on, the, on the reality side of it, oh, this is going to stink. Um, you know, the, the energy and the effort it takes to hold the bones together with the connective tissue, you know, that just gets less and less with age. You know, you get osteoporosis kicks in there regardless, you know, for women and you get all these other joint problems that kick in anyway and people tend to stiffen up with age. So I suppose that could be a bonus that I wouldn't be able to put my feet behind the head anymore at some point. I mean, well... (laughs) I guess it is. I don't. I gave that one to you. Come on. <laughs> you really did, and I don't. I, I don't know how. To, I don't know how to like knock it out of the park. I'm sure you could. Uh, <laughs> but but so again, was there anything because this whole show is based around 
shining a light on my guests and their stories. Was there anything else that you wanted to share that we could shine a light on and talk about? I would like to do a big shout out to the people in Target parking lots everywhere who see me get out of a Smurf stickered car and don't look at me with the evil eye. Good for you people. And you know what? When I was younger, I would look at people who had probably had hidden disabilities with blue stickers. And I would look at them with the evil eye and be like, you can't do that. And now I'm so ashamed that I ever did that because it's horrible. The poor person probably had disabilities. <laughs> but yes, don't look at us. If we have a blue sticker, there might be a reason for it. Disabilities don't always mean wheelchairs. Um, speaking of, as you get older and your disability progresses, do you want a wheelchair or a mobility device? Yep. Yep. I think we're getting to that point now. Um, you know, I have a walker, I have a cane, I've got, you know, a few of those things already that come in really useful. Um, and I think the few times that I have used a wheelchair, um, the freedom that I don't have to concentrate on walking and resting and moderating the energy, just the freedom to just be, I, I think is, that was a, a good feeling for me. That was, that was good. nice. I yeah. think you should put that on a t-shirt. My, my wheelchair helps me just be, period. I, I, I might put that on a t-shirt and send it to you because it's a great quote. There you go. I mean, You've got I some like awesome t-shirts lately. I mean, I'm just making them left, right, and because I'm like, I'm bored. It's quarantine, whatever. Like, I want to make fun t-shirts that are disability related. Um, <laughs> uh, this was such a fun conversation. I love talking to people with, I mean, you're like my 15th millionth guest with EDS, but every single time I talk to an EDS, a person with EDS I feel like it's such a different nuanced conversation so I really appreciate you like taking the time and diving in with me and talking especially about disability grief and disability guilt because it's something that as soon as you said it I was like oh my god there's so many so many questions about this it's, it's such a such an undiscussed part of the conversation that I really appreciate you wanting to go there with me oh I this was wonderful thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to, to talk to you and meet you and no be in your space it's you gave me the opportunity to talk to you. I'm just, I'm just Drew Gerza. People know me, but what I appreciate is having the chance to do stuff like this with other people. Like my story is boring. They know what I have. They know I have CP. Like they know, they listen to me every week. So they know, but like with you, like getting to hear your story and like knowing that like my posts that I write sometimes and think that like don't impact people to know that it's helped you feel better is really awesome. Oh, this was amazing. Thank you so much for everything. This was fun. Anytime. Before we let you go, how can the people follow you and get a hold of you? How can they support you? They can find me on Rebecca Mavencamp. I'm on Instagram. Uh, that's the best place. Awesome. I'll, I'll make sure that that's in the show notes when this comes out. And I'll make sure that you get a copy before it's released. Awesome. Thank you so much, Drew. All right. Talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. All right, that was another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories, a part of the Wheels on the Ground network. I am really, really happy you came to this one. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.drewgerza.com and you can follow me on all my socials at, at Drew Gerza. So Instagram and Twitter at Drew Gerza. You can also follow the podcast at disaftdarkpod on Twitter. 
Remember, if you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit about why you want to be on the show, and we'd love to have you. The show is, again, no longer just a sex and disability podcast. We want to talk to you about everything. So drop us a line. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month or more to keep a bright light shining on these stories. I'm your host, Drew Gerza, your disabled daddy. Thank you so much for listening to this Wheels on the Ground production, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye! Copyright Notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021.